0: You're listening to sermons from redeemer church in round rock texas redeemer is a gospel-centered missional family learning and living the way of jesus in the suburbs of austin uh, good morning and welcome to our sunday gathering my name is josh i'm one of the pastors here at Redeemer. And I want to welcome you. We really value Sundays. It's a time for us to have our hearts reoriented around Christ. And we also want to let you know that we value what we call gospel communities. If Sundays reorient our hearts around Jesus, gospel communities give us a space to build relationships around the gospel as we study the scriptures together and as we seek to grow as God's family on his mission. And so if you're not connected to a gospel community or you say, what the heck is a gospel community? community, would you come talk to me? I'd love to help you get connected to one of our gospel communities here at Redeemer. Well, we are currently working through the book of Jeremiah, and if you've been following along with us, you you know that Jeremiah has a lot to say about Israel's sin, about their waywardness, about their wickedness, and and we've also seen that that speaks a lot about our sin and our wickedness and waywardness, and it's been a very heavy uh, book Full of judgment, but with glimmers of hope and redemption. And last week, Jordan walked us through chapter 18, where Jeremiah takes a field trip to go see the potter who's who's, uh, potting this clay and and, and building the clay. And God is going to teach Jeremiah through this field trip something about the people of Israel. And, And so the potter is potting this clay, but the clay was soiled, so he had to redo the pot. And, uh, and, and a long story short, Jeremiah ends up learning about this, and then, and then as he leaves the potter, uh, God tells him to go back and purchase the vessel that was completed, that was reworked, and he purchases this vessel, and then God, in an interesting twist, asks him to go and call out the leaders from Jerusalem to come with him to the valley of Hinnom and to take it, and with all the leaders' presence, the elders and some of the religious leaders, to smash the pot to pieces. Now, one of the things of significance is the place that he takes this, the valley of Hinnom was actually, uh, you might have heard the word Gehenna or Sheol in the New Testament. It's, it's the place that represented hell uh, outside the city. It was really the trash dump where all the trash was burned. It was also the place where some of the wicked kings have offered child sacrifices. It was really uh, a symbol that this vessel that represents Israel in that present day Israel was going to be smashed And really left in decimation and destruction. And what happens is the religious leaders, they get the message. They understand not only are we going to be shattered, but doing it here is significant. And there's a religious leader in chapter 19, if we continue on with this story, uh, named Peshur, who was one of the top religious uh, officials in the temple. And he got the message and he decides that we need to put a stop to this guy, Jeremiah. So they have Jeremiah put in the stocks near the temple gate. And they have him beaten. And then after 24 hours, they release him. I think they're kind of hoping that, hey, this will shut him up. This will keep him quiet. This brings us into chapter 20, where in chapter 20, Jeremiah then uh, laments to God. And he basically says to God, God, why did you trick me? He even says to God, why why was I even born? Like it gets very dark for Jeremiah. He realizes this message he's proclaiming is not going to win him any friends. But at the end of this lament, he says, but nevertheless, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but nevertheless, I can't stop speaking your word, God. And so Jeremiah continues to go on and prophesy and proclaim. And in these next few chapters leading up to our chapter today in chapter 23, what he, was gonna, what he basically did was he condemned the, the kings of the day and called out their wickedness and their waywardness towards God And he tells that that much of the reason that Israel is being exiled and, and destroyed is because of these bad shepherds, these poor leaders of God's flock. And this brings us this morning to our text in Jeremiah chapter 23. So if you want to go ahead and turn to chapter 23, we're going to be in verses 1 through 8. And our text is going to begin by kind of summarizing chapters 20, 21, 22, the condemnation of these leaders. But it's also going to take a turn to point us towards a new day that is coming when God will raise up a new kind of king. Where he will bring a new kind of leader that will care for God's flock and his people. And will actually appoint other shepherds who will care for the people of as well. And I want to frame our time together today with three simple questions that we're going to look at in the text. One is, what kind of king or leader does God condemn? Right? What kind of leader does God oppose? Number two, what kind of king or or leader is God himself? What kind of king is God? And number three, what kind of leader does God want? What kind of leadership does God want from us? How does us understanding who God is as king change the way we lead and interact with others? So let's pray, and then we'll jump into chapter 23. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we come in here this morning bringing a variety of things. Some of us bringing fatigue, some of us bringing depression, some of us bringing hurt, some of us bringing anger some of us bringing sin and struggle and we pray this morning that Holy Spirit just as you inspired the words we're reading through the prophet Jeremiah that you would illuminate them in our hearts this morning that you would give us life and hope and point us to the righteous branch of David who would come and be a different kind of king Lord, would you help us to see where we have failed in our leadership, where where leaders have failed us, and help us to walk and live in a newness of life. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, let's look first at what kind of king or leader does God condemn. Look at verse 1 and 2 of chapter 23 of Jeremiah. He starts off in, in verse 1. He says, Woe! to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people. You have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Now, this verse begins with the word, Woe, the word woe here is a word that conveys pain and tragedy. It's a lamenting word, but it's used here in the sense that that he's lamenting the future of what will happen to the wicked leaders of Judah. This is like a parent when they might say, woe to the person who messes with my child, right? Like, woe to you if you mess with my child. And he says, woe to the so-called shepherds. This is the kind of the metaphor he's using for the kings and religious leader of this day, right? They're not literal shepherds. But he's saying, woe to you wicked shepherds who scatter and destroy my people. You have not cared for my flock. I love here that that God is saying these are my people. As much as they might claim as their people, they are God's people. They belong to him. He says that their idolatrous leadership has led them to lead the people into exile and destruction. And in verse 2, he says, and I will attend to your evil deeds. Now, it's important for us to kind of answer the question, what was it that these kings, that these leaders were doing that Jeremiah is calling out here. Sometimes we can just insert what we would think of as evil deeds in here. But what exactly does Jeremiah complain about? And we don't see the, the whole of his complaint in our text, but if we were to go back and summarize what's said throughout the book and especially these past few chapters, here's what we would come up with. In fact, Christopher Wright in his commentary on Jeremiah gives us five things that, that were complaints throughout Jeremiah towards these wicked kings and rulers of Judah and Israel. And number one, he says that there's exploitation of workers by failing to pay fair wages. So they were, they were not fairly paying those who were, who were working for them. They were taking advantage of them. They were profiting off their labor without sharing that with the people. Number two, there was an extraordinary and excessive affluence and consumption by the leaders while others were were going without, that they were failing uh, to, 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 to share, they were living in luxury and excess in a way that puffed them up and then they looked down on other people who didn't have. There was also fraud and greed amongst these leaders. There was, their hearts were so greedy and lusting for more that they would violate God's law to obtain and receive more uh, wealth and property and possessions. Number four, there was bloodshed, violence, and murder that God complains about through Jeremiah of, of, the, of the innocent. Right? They were taking the life of innocent people. These kings were, they were not, uh, were not honor, honoring the sanctity of life, but they were killing those who were innocent. We could even date this all the way back to the pattern where we see it in King David. Right? He's like the best king, the, the highlight king of the Old Testament, but even David shed innocent blood. And we see this pattern throughout the kings and leaders of Israel. And then finally, Wright points out that there's oppression and extortion meaning that that they're profiting at the expense of the socially vulnerable and powerless, the orphan, the widows, the immigrant. They were taking advantage of their weakness and and extorting from them. You see, we could say that the king or leader God opposes is one who uses power and position to satisfy their own sinful desires at the expense of the people they're meant to. To lead. These leaders have turned to worshiping idols. We see this complaint throughout Jeremiah. And therefore, these idols which are empty, which cannot give them anything, have left them empty, men and women, and therefore they have to look to other human beings to fill their emptiness. Wicked leaders are empty men or women who use people to try to fill their own selfish needs where power and position and privilege is gladly accepted and even sought after but it's at the expense of others it's kind of this belief that the world is a zero-sum game and I'm going to get mine even if it is at the expense of other people and we see this play out in our time there's no lack of complaints towards leadership. I know that as a pastor, but if you're in you know, any sort of leadership, you, whether you're a manager or a boss or you know, city leader, president, there's no lack of complaints, and there are valid complaints, right? But we see this play, play out in our time as politicians make decisions often without regard for the flourishing of their constituents, but rather concerned with our, am I going to continue to get the big donations from my, from my donors, or am I going to get reelected and maintain? My power. We see this in governments around the world and in our own country at times that refuse to stand up for the poor, the orphan, and the immigrant. They refuse to listen to the voice of the the unborn and those who are most vulnerable, listening to the voice of lobbyists and those who have the most to offer them. We see this tragically at times in churches who pastor or who use their flock to flame their own ego, to bolster their brand or their platform with no regard or care on what it does to the lives of the people they're leading. We see this in the workplace where CEOs and managers make decisions not for the long-term well-being of the company or even the, the people in their care in that company, but for the short-term profits or gains. Recently, I listened to a podcast recounting the story of Enron, right? This is a lesson in failed leadership where, where short-term quick gains cost thousands of people their, 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 uh, their retirement, And we see this time and time again, really any sphere of leadership that we looked at in our world, we could talk about coaching or teaching or even parenting, any sphere in which there's responsibility and power given to one human has this sinful dynamic at play in our world. And what happens is when leadership is corrupted by sin, it divides people And it destroys people. We see this in our text. He complains that they had had scattered God's flock. That they had destroyed their cities because of these wayward leaders. And many of you, I would guess, this morning come in here, having lived in a world that is led by sinful men and women. um, You've experienced the pain of wicked wayward leadership. You've experienced the pain of leaders who've used you just for their own gain. And perhaps when they didn't need you anymore, they just kind of cast you aside. Maybe some of you felt the sting of a government or a family even that fails to protect you or fails to deal fairly with you because of your ethnicity or your social status or some other category. I know some tragically have been hurt by leaders in churches, pastors who you trusted, prayed your trust, and proved to only be looking out for themselves. Perhaps you've experienced that boss or that leader in the workplace who's overlooked you, who you've worked your tail off, and they've they've you know they've they've asked you to work countless hours, and you've sacrificed to your family, and then when push comes to shove, they take the credit and get the promotion. And the bonus, perhaps maybe more close to home, you've experienced this from a, from a parental figure, from a father or a mother who used their, their power in a way that actually brought harm to you, manipulated you, controlled you, or maybe you had the parent who, who you had to be the one to, to give them approval. They couldn't love you because they used you to get what they needed. You see, we've all felt the sting and the power of sin, of unbridled leadership. And we've also all ourselves, as we've been given positions of leadership and authority, we've failed, haven't we? We've all caused other pain. We valued at times production over people. We've used others to bolster our own ego and cared little for what it cost them. We've at times, at least if if you have kids, we've been the parents who either overly controlled our children for our own comfort or who have selfishly looked to them to give us the approval that we want. We've not loved them, but we've kind of let them rule the roost because we're so empty and desperate for someone to approve of us so we even look to a child. And so as we talk about this, I realize we bring into this room much shame, guilt, baggage on both sides of the coin. We've done harm and we've been harmed by wicked leaders. And here's something I want us to be aware of that when we experience wicked kings, wicked leadership, it causes us at times to ask the question is this the kind of leader that God is? Is this, is this the kind of leader that, that rules the universe? Um, In fact, it's almost a given that whatever kind of leadership you experienced in your formative years is going to have some shaping effect on how you view God. You know, sometimes we talk about God the Father, and I've had people in the church who said, I just, I can't say that because because of my Father. And they're they're working through what's, who is God and what is He like? Because these leaders who are meant to display him and teach us what God was like from our parents to our kings or presidents or whatever it is, they have failed and, and sin has entered into the equation. And it begs the question, what kind of king, what kind of leader is God? Now, Jeremiah is about to turn the corner to get to some really hopeful good news, and he's going to tell us what kind of king God is. Let's continue reading in verse 3 through 8. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring, back to their, bring, uh, bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more nor be dismayed, neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when they shall no longer say as the Lord lives who brought up the people out of Israel, out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives who brought up and led the offspring of the house of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where he had driven them. Then they shall dwell in their own land. A few things to highlight looking, when we first look at this is, number one is that although people have been scattered and lives have been destroyed by wicked kings, we see that God's heart is to gather up his people, is to bring them back home where they have a place, where they belong. And he's going to do this. He's going to bring them back into this place where they can be fruitful and multiply. I love that we see that theme over and over throughout the Old Testament, that even when humanity wants to go awry of God's plans, we see it again. They're even going back to the guard, be fruitful and multiply, that they would flourish is what he's saying here. And number two, we see that God's heart is to give shepherds who will genuinely care for the people that no longer fear their leaders. Now, when we get to verse 5, we start to get some really good news. You see, the king that God wants, the king that God is, is on the way. And it tells us in our text that he will come from the line of David. That's what it means, he's a branch of, of David. And the text tells us that he shall reign as king. And what kind of king will he be? He will reign with justice and righteousness right he'll be fair and he'll relate to people in a way that is that is fair and just in god's eyes he will bring salvation to judah he will be called the lord is our righteousness if we sum it up we could say that this king will bring justice he will relate to the people in righteousness and he will bring the blessing of salvation he will put an end to the exile Remember, these people have been scattered from their homes. They're living in foreign lands. They're wondering who is the true God of the universe. And Jeremiah is saying there is a king coming who's going to gather you up, who's going to bring salvation. He's not going to treat you like Pharaoh. He's not going to treat you like the king of the Assyrians or the the surrounding nations. He's a different kind of king. And he's going to care for you. And he's going to appoint other shepherds who will care for you tenderly will lead you into the path of life. He'll bring you home. And if you haven't guessed it by now, if you haven't made the connection, Jeremiah's really starting to talk here about Jesus. This is, you know, if, if, you, if you are in your biblical theology, you, you know that the Old Testament is really going to point us toward Jesus. And Jeremiah's getting explicit here. And we could say, if you really want to know what kind of king God is, Jeremiah and the New Testament scriptures are going to say, look at King Jesus. That's the kind of king God is. You see, he, Jesus, is the righteous branch of David, and he would be a king unlike any that they'd experienced before. In fact, in Luke chapter 22, Jesus contrasts himself against the other kings and other leaders. And he says this um, in in Luke 22, 24 through 28. He says, our text tells us that a dispute also arose among them. They're arguing who's the greatest, like who's the best disciple? Uh, They're arguing, right? (laughs) Human pride, poor leadership. They got a lot to learn. Verse 25, and he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as the one who serves. For who is greater, one who reclines at the table or one who serves? And listen to this but I am among you as one who serves. You see, God is promising here in Jeremiah to send a king, a king who dwelled in glory and power, who would take on the lowliness of human flesh, a king who would be born as a humble baby in a manger. We're about to celebrate that in a few weeks at Advent. A king who lived his life not in the high palaces and in, in robes and, and with the, the high and mighty religious elite, but who lived his life associating with the lowly, healing the sick and the lame, caring for the outcasts of society. A king that rather using people to feed his ego and build a platform empties himself of his own blood and his own life so that he might give it to a people so that they who didn't deserve it could have life. A king who did not distance himself from the troubles of his people, but who took their place, dying the death they deserved and rising again on the third day. A king who, even achieving all salvation and righteousness in his death, did not hoard his riches. But when he ascended to the throne of heaven, what does he do? He pours them out upon undeserving people. He shares the gifts and the inheritance and the future that was his, and he gives it to undeserving sinners like you and me. You see, church family, Jesus is the king God wants, is the king God is. No matter how perverse or painful human leaders have portrayed and even scarred your own thinking, let Jesus clear it up. Let Jesus, you know, sometimes I I say if there's any confusion, even when we're reading the Old Testament, we can start to wonder, what is God like? If there's ever any confusion, let us look to Jesus. He's the kind of leader. He's the kind of heart that reveals who God is. And it's this kind of king that God invites us to entrust our life to, to believe in, to give our worship. In verse 4, Jeremiah points out something as well that I want to bring to our attention. He not only is sending a righteous branch, but he says that he's going to appoint caring shepherds. That this leader is going to appoint other leaders who lead in a new way under this king, this righteous branch that is coming. You see, here's here's some good news for us. Not only has Jesus come and shown us who God really is and what kind of leader God really is, but he actually wants to transform the way we lead. He wants to transform leadership within his body, the church. And King Jesus called in his ministry and empowered his disciples, those same ones that we read about that were arguing about who's the greatest. They're still in the old paradigm, but a day was coming When he was going to send his spirit and empower them to also be servant leaders. To be those who wash the feet of those they lead. To be those who don't extort or take advantage of, but use their gifting and powers and graces for the flourishing of others. For the flourishing of the church. You see, he was going to gather a group of disciples who would help gather people from all nations that would lead in a new way under the authority of King Jesus, where leaders are now servants who use their power and position for the good of others, for the flourishing of God's people, not for their own gain. Now listen, family, this doesn't eliminate Sin in our world. We obviously know since the disciples it hasn't just been a string of, of good shepherds, right? There's still tares among the wheat. There's still a sin amongst us. Even in, news files, even in this church, your leadership is imperfect, right? Our leadership is imperfect. But what this does is it opens the possibility to where we were all kind of destined for poor leadership to now, because of Jesus, when we come under his rule and his kingship and his kingdom, leadership has the potential to be radically transformed. Extravagant generosity instead of the exploitation of others. Stewarding our possessions and spending our money and time and talent and treasures for the good of others, right? Being rich in good works rather than hoarding it up and living in excess. Honestly, uh, dealing honestly in our work rather than than fraudulently trying to obtain things and and letting our greedy hearts have us violate the law so that we can get more. Peacemaking and support of life in every way rather than bloodshed, Uh, violence, and murder of the innocent. Freedom and fairness rather than oppression and extortion. This is the possibility of leadership that Jesus opens up, that he calls us as his church, even us as pastors and shepherds and you as leaders in your various spheres to lead as servants. And apart from Christ We would have all been very bad leaders. We are very bad leaders apart from Christ. But because of Jesus, leadership is transformed. As we allow the gospel to open our eyes to a new way, our hearts to lead with a new motive, our hands to to unclench with a new generosity, there's an invitation to parents, to coaches, to teachers, to managers, to CEOs, to governors and even presidents for kings of the earth to come under the rule of King Jesus, to bow at him and to come under a new way of leading, to see your position and your possessions and your power, not to bolster your ego, but as things God has given for you to steward for the good of others. See, there's no excuse in the church For us to be continue to be fueled by filling our ego parents you if you're not filled with Christ you will ultimately use your child either to give you approval or you'll try to control them and and have your own little kingdom you'll be a harsh oppressive ruler on a very small scale right it doesn't take much power to see power abused go look at an HOA forum if you want to you know have that demonstrated (laughs) But we have an opportunity to come under King Jesus and radically transform the way leadership is understood. And what a witness that could be in our city if we embrace this in our jobs, if we embrace this in whatever position we're giving, that we say we are not, we're not coming in here for, with pride and prestige and, and asking what people owe me or, or using people just to bolster myself, but I'm coming in here as a servant. Because my king came as a servant. Because I'm no longer empty, but I've received grace upon grace in him and I really don't need you for anything. That's why I'm here to serve, to give. My neediness has been met in Christ. And so I don't need to use people, I can love people. I don't have an agenda to get something to fill my cup. My cup is full, my agenda is to give and to love. This is the kind of leader the gospel creates, that Jeremiah is pointing us, hopefully, towards a gospel-shaped leader under the authority of King Jesus. So I want to lead us to respond to this in three very simple ways. I just want to ask you this morning, first, that you would humble yourself before King Jesus. You know, a lot, of, a lot of times I can, you know, whether I'm coaching or whatever position authority, I can get off going and think, oh, I'm the expert. I'm the, you know, I, I'm, can we just stop? Can you just stop with the defenses and the ego thing? You just stop and say, Jesus, you know what? Apart from you, I make a wreck of leading. I make a wreck of parenting. And I confess that you alone are king. And I need you to teach me what it means to lead in your kingdom. Could we say that and confess that this morning? Second, I want us to confess just right where you are, maybe to the Lord. Some of you are carrying hurts from others who've, who've led you poorly. And oftentimes what happens is when we carry those hurts and we don't take them to Jesus and we don't get healing and wholeness in that, it affects the way we pass on leadership to others. And so I think that the Lord wants to pour out grace to you this morning and agree with you that 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 is not the way he designed leadership to be and that his heart hurts that you are hurting. And there might on the flip side of that be maybe as a parent or as a leader ways you realize your ego has got out of control and you've hurt others. And so I just want you to take a minute right now is right where you are. And could you just confess both where you have been hurt and where you are hurt where you have hurt others with your leadership to the Lord. Let's just take a minute and do that together. And then I'll close with a final prayer. I'm gonna pray for us, Father. Lord, we confess that we have not led well in many ways. That we've let our ego, we've let our flesh get out front. Maybe we were harsh with children, maybe, maybe we've neglected them in our own escapes. Maybe we were harsh with a coworker, maybe we came down too hard on. On someone, Lord, maybe we have uh, are just bitter because we've been hurt and we haven't brought it to you and we've just held on to it. Holy Spirit, we need to see gracious King Jesus in all his glory this morning who invites the hurting to his side. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, this morning that you would pour out healing in our hearts, that your fatherly love would enable us as you fill us with your love to become a different kind of leader. We praise you that Pharaoh does not get the last word. We praise you that that our presidents do not get the last word. We praise you that the ultimate authority is not wickedness and deceit, but is Jesus. That the one who's above all, given all power and authority, is tender and lowly and is merciful to sinners. So, Lord, help us in our weakness. Help us to be good shepherds of what you put in front of us. Whatever flock you've given us, help us to be good shepherds because we've been shepherded well by you. It is Thanks for listening. If you are looking for info, find our website at RedeemerRR.org or download the Redeemer Round Rock app from the Android or iOS app store.